Oh, that's me. What's what? going down? <laughs> you <laughs> don't goobers. Yeah, reboot his mind now. Hey, right. what? <laughs> okay, so usually for uh, the the podcast and stuff, I I get everything up. Uh, like five to ten minutes before we start, I check my own levels and make sure my uh, mm-hmm. script and everything is up, so that way I'm ready to go. Wait, but how are you going to check your own levels when McCoy has the interface and everything? Well, I can see if my my mic is getting an input, and I can check my uh, my headphones for output, so I can at least check that and make sure Skype is working for me. You know, you can, you can see sounds now too, huh? Okay. Yeah, dude, it's called waveforms. <laughs> you're, you're Asian. You got MIDI. Then <laughs> <laughs> Peter Griffin laughed. I don't know. That didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rock lobster. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Go on. That's scratch <laughs> so, so you were trying to lock your door, and the key you couldn't turn the key, so you tried to restart your door. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 92 of Rolling. <laughs> We're going down. It's the homie TS, a.k.a. C-Nova. You know, I gotcha. A.k.a. Hankahook, a.k.a. Mexican Raiden, a.k.a. E.P.E., a.k.a. The Wonton Don, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino. And you can find me on Twitter at C-Nova KPZ. What's going down, McCoy? It's your boy. Uh, we're McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What to Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, a.k.a. No Cap Charlie, a.k.a. Smooth Job Johnny, a.k.a. Dope Dub Danny, a.k.a. FBI Mike, a.k.a. Hip Hop <laughs> Hip Hop Harry, a.k.a. Hallway Jones, because your bitch had a ringtone at one point, and I promise you it was me. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you can find me at uh, Real McCoy KPZ on Twitter, and then at Real McCoy Rebel on Snapchat. You feel me? Cody. Hi, I'm Cody. Uh, CD Recorn, everything better near now. Also, uh, just added in because we haven't done this in a while. TSC Nova, you know, I gotcha. <laughs> Thanks, Russ, for coming up with that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm the All right. with the Golens. No, um. <laughs> I thought he was waiting for us to pass the collection, please. <laughs> A.K.A. Teddy Russ, A.K.A. Smooth Fingers, A.K.A. King Universal, A.K.A. The Progenitor, A.K.A. Stewart Skew, A.K.A. Russ the Bus. <laughs> <laughs> I might change that uh, to my name on Snapchat. Now, um, you can find me on the chattiest of snaps as Thaddeus Snapchatius and on IG as Candid Cupidity, C-A-N-D-I-D underscore C-U-P-I-D-I-T-Y. Hi, Um, D-R-T-Y. 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 Oh God, that's that's cool. We gotta figure that out. We gotta make that a thing. Okay. That's the bougies. Right. That's the bus G's. The bus G's dog. That sound like a, a porn site. Um. So. Hood game. Right on what though? Um, we have a Facebook group called Not Politically Correct. You can join that group and be a part of the festivities. You know how we getting down. Um, we have a Facebook page which you could which you could like, which is um, NPC Podcast. So go ahead and like that page for the numbers and you know make us feel like we superstars. You know all that you know groovy jazzy ass shit. We are on Twitter at Not PC Podcast. So go ahead and follow us on there so we can get active. You know what I'm talking about. 
Um, and you can also, anything that you can listen to stuff on, so SoundCloud, Spreaker, uh, the podcast app on your for you iPhone users, um, Spotify, did I say that? Uh, Google Play, mm-hmm. all of that shit. Go ahead, type in Not Politically Correct Podcast, find us, listen to us, and then you can go ahead and leave comments and shit too, man, and just, you know, interact with us, you know, because we want to interact with y'all a little bit more. We want to make sure that people know that we are, we are here for them, and they are here for us, you know? The Lord put us here for you. That type of shit. And now it's time for TS restart that. TS restart that. Um, so with that one, with that one sport that's kind of like dying out and stuff, um, no one is elected to the baseball hall of fame class of 2021. Whoa. Yeah. That's kind of eye-opening. You said that sport is dying out. Did we talk about this? Do you want to? Uh, real quick. I mean, if you can do it within like three minutes. Yeah, sure. 259, 258. Any objections? The uh, <laughs> the, crowds at, the crowds in baseball stadiums have been dying down, not just because of COVID. I was, just I was hey, say, there's kind of a pandemic going on. That's why. No, it's <laughs> yeah, way before COVID, um, the interest in baseball is just is just starting to die out. The majority of the people that watch baseball now are avid sports fans and really old people or people that just love keeping scores and stuff like that. Like, there's a little score sheeting thing that you can do as a right. fan. And it's, I don't know. It, I got a proposition for you. Not like they take it into account because they don't listen to us and don't care about us. But um, do you guys think that baseball would be more interesting if instead of, what is it, like 162 games or something like that, um, they make it more, it would be, I feel like, more exciting if it's like, a, I don't know what number, but a lot less games? Yes. <laughs> yes. because like Under 100? <laughs> right. Because the fact that they are past 100 games a season, I've always been like, it's like opening day, yay! And then it's like they're just playing every day. I'm not gonna watch this every yeah, day or every, every game day, they play. Bro, every day, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that worked in like 1959 when they didn't have shit like the internet or like PlayStation. But like, nobody's gonna watch baseball every day. What in the PlayStation? Fuck? Like, what? Is, what do you? What? Like, that's cr- ridiculous, bro. That's like every day until the season ends, niggas is playing baseball. Do they even have a? Do they even go home and see their kids? Like, what the fuck, bro? They make kids. They don't see their kids. They're like Goku. Uh, ah, got it. That makes sense. And they go training. They go to Arizona for training. There's a piccolo in there. Oh, player. my God. <laughs> He's oh actually the gardener, God. but whatever. The gardener. No, I think me. people lose interest in baseball just because the shit is kind of boring, bro. Like, yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of action that happens. It's two guys playing catch for three hours? Right. Pretty much. Right. Pretty much. And one of the guys doesn't even want the batter to hit. So it's one guy one, doing Just one best. guy? <laughs> yeah. One guy that's like, don't hit it. Everyone else is like, come on, hit it. Yeah, well, everybody else doesn't have a job. <laughs> unless... <laughs> they do. They, I mean, they just they get paid if, to if win. The pitcher, if the pitcher does his job, nobody else has a job. That's true. They, I mean, they. it's not that they don't have a job. 
Yeah, nobody else has a job if the pitcher does his job. Once the pitcher does not do his job, then everybody else has a job. But it's just, like you said, it's just two guys playing catch. Ideally, that would be the best. Everybody a piece of work, especially a specific task done as part of routine in one's occupation or for an agreed oh my price. God. They <laughs> would have a job. They have an agreed price to stand in the <laughs> <laughs> this nigga Google job. Get the fuck out of here. No, I did not. I have dictionary.com, okay? <laughs> That's worse. And the J is not silent. Do you so watch baseball? Because you're sounding old, man. Damn. Hey, man, let me get my newspaper. Right, I got dictionary.com as an app on my phone. What the fuck? God damn Do it. Do not. Baseball's kind of whack. I think this that's why, why I know how to not speak in Mahoy because I have a dictionary on my dot coms. So. All right, so <laughs> Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> um, last time we talked, he was an idiot. Uh, I slightly re- retract my statement of him being an idiot. I mean, I still think he could have like shown up and stuff like that. But um, a few of Kyrie's contributions over the last year, uh, he donated $323,000 to Feeding America, uh-huh. partnered with City Harvest to ensure that 250,000 meals were distributed to New, York- New Yorkers, uh-huh. partnered Partnered with Nike to donate 17 pallets of food and masks to the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Talk that shit. Uh, committed $1.5 million to help pay WNBA players who opted out of the 2020 season. Woo. Paid off the college tuition of nine HBCU students from Lincoln University. Woo. And lastly, purchased a house for the family of George Floyd. So, hats off to him. That's right. Hats off to that wonderful, wonderful man. You feel me? So, I do think he should get, sign his uh, FMLA papers or some shit so he could, you know, have <laughs> have those days off legally. But still, shout to that. You man. know that, according to uh, dictionary.com, that does not stand for Fuck My Life Association. <laughs> uh, LeBron James, uh, I feel like, is the biggest candidate for MVP. I don't know about you guys. Um he is currently so far uh, averaging almost a or basically a triple double. Um, I think averaging twenty five points per game, ten assists, and about eight rebounds per game. Um, and especially at the age he's at right now, um, he even said like he's not even feeling tired. And what was it? He just dropped forty six points against uh cleveland for the first time of facing them again um i think he even forget where i had it down but he uh i don't know there's a meme basically about like how he got revenge against i want to say revenge but that's what people you know the media is making it out as um against uh cleveland because he played the and for miami because he like went out and it's like how old he is too um he's the oldest player to average at least a 25 7 and 7 season um and all top five for oldest players doing that is lebron at 32 33 34 35 and 36 jesus christ yeah jesus christ Um, almighty (laughs) he is let's see the king he joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the only Laker with 30 points in consecutive games after turning 36 years old. Like, just what, why? I don't know if there's any haters still out there, but they, it's just like, why, you know? Yeah. LeBron is definitely a GOAT. He's definitely a, one of the GOATs. I don't know why we're not going to 
get into into that debate today, but you know he wanted the goats, man. He, I mean, one of because there's many goats. You know, there's the Kobe's, there's the Jordans. You know, there's the Magic Johnsons, there's the Dr. J's, and all that shit. You know, the Wilt Chamberlains and all that shit. So, but, the will of goats, <laughs> <laughs> if you will. <laughs> LeBron's last two games over 45 points was. Um, January 25th of this year, he had 46 points against Cleveland. And then November 18th, 2018, he had 51 points versus Miami. That's where it was. Um, yeah, he. there's a lot of people saying, too, like, we, if, you're, if you're still counting in rings into a factor, like, it's not, it's not even a consideration anymore. Like, the numbers and effort and everything that he's putting up, like, he, there's real talk about him being... It's not even like a question or debate about is he up to like Kobe and and Jordan level like it's probably surpassed that. Well, hey, I mean, I mean <clears throat> shout out to that, shout out to that man. You know what I mean? Like he, another thing is too. Um, man came in, he came in young. He came in, he didn't go to college. He came in as a high school player, right? Like right mm-hmm. out of high school. So, I mean, he came in at eighteen. The man, and you know, and he, and not only did he come in at eighteen. He came in at 18 as one of the most talented players. So, I mean, he's, you know, mm-hmm. people be like age and shit, like at his age and all that shit. But it's like, I don't know if he's not an old person. He's only 36. And I know in like sports years, that's like, oh, he's winding down. You know what I mean? He's, but hey, man, I, I don't think, you know, it really to me, I don't know until you get into your 40s, then you can start calling somebody old. And I mean, even then, even then, if you are consistently you yep. eat well you're athletic you you know work out you do shit for your body your body's gonna be as good to you as you are to it you know so i mean he is taking care of his body and you know that but i'm just still thinking too like the amount of like i don't know i want to say damage but like you, you're jumping all the time like i'm just thinking about his knees and stuff like that and not like he's been doing this professionally for 18 years and he's still like not showing any signs of like slowing down that's like what's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to, to LeBron. I didn't insult to somebody like uh, Zion. That yeah. dog <laughs> dude was supposed to come in and make a killing and fucked his knees up in the first thirty seconds. Dog. That's because he's got like you know an average stature, but then put on like seven hundred pounds of muscle. Like I'm gonna take over. Like no, your knees can't handle that. Well, there, 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 there are some steps to those things, and a lot of young athletes don't take those steps because right. they, they reach for fame quickly and mm-hmm. not um, the gradual process you have to, to do to kind of build yourself up and to strengthen those joints and those, those ligaments because that's the main thing as far as, like, working out. A lot of people just think it's just building muscle, but you got to stretch. you got to really work those joints so that they become strong and more pliable too, um, but that's not something they really teach, which is – Unfortunately, right. because they make all that money and they have all the, the technology, but they still they're looking at the short term. Right. Uh-uh. We have. I, I feel like, I feel like the uh, this is too early of a, you know, to tell because this right. is Zion's second year. But I feel like it's very, he's very comparable to like when the Packers had Eddie Lacy, hmm. like muscle just plowed through people, but only lasted like two years and then just fell out and right. got injured and fat. And, you know, you he's injured. not even around it. Well, did. <laughs> and, and it, it takes up some uh, more mental fortitude too, um, because uh, coming away from an in- injury, you have to have the 
the thought process that, okay, I need to take this slow to get my body back up to what it was. And you have to really want to do that because a lot of people, when they get hurt, they just feel like their mindset is like, oh, it's over now. When mm-hmm. it's not necessarily over, they, there are things that you can do. Um, you have to play a different game and learn a different style. But a lot of people aren't really willing to do that and they just give up. Yeah. Um, another comparison with LeBronzo. Um, him and Tom Brady were both called frauds because of an easy conference or division, only to go to the other side and do the same damn thing. Yep. Yep. You see it. You, you didn't blink or flinch at the Buccaneers, and now that Brian, at his second year with the Lakers, got a championship, and <laughs> Brady going. is going to the Samper- Super Bowl. The Samper Bowl? Mm-hmm. Um. Interesting. Right. Simplify it as. So I, again, I look at those two as like reflect, like shining, like uh, reflections of each other in, in the different leagues. But like, of course, they're a couple of years, you know, apart, you know, like five, six years apart. But I mean, essentially, they're doing the same shit. They're doing the same shit in their respective, you know, um, leagues or whatever. And I just think it's dope. I just think um, as much as I hate time, like, okay. Here's the I thing. feel you. <laughs> Tom Brady got. Don't, don't hold back. <laughs> I like I like the fact that he's proving people wrong, but at the same time, okay, you didn't have too many Super Bowls, bro. Sit it, sit, go down. <laughs> How can have. you hate that though? If anything, that's we need funny. Congratulating, dog. Right, we were just talking about how how can LeBron still have haters, and we're all and you and I are like Tom Brady's got to sit down. I got to go. I got to go. Sit down. Go sit down. I guess LeBron, both LeBron and Tom Brady, they need to have more fans and more support. Like, these niggas is actually out here. These guys are literal goats. When you can go Kobe's anywhere, a goat. You shut up. You keep making fun of Kobe to this day. Leave him alone. No, that's only because you like him a lot. But, um... <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is, what would happen if I started liking you a lot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All of this just don't make no sense. Hey man, just go ahead. Say what you gotta say, Tia. Go ahead. Don't... Yeah, really weird. Right. Don't let that oh, don't let that gay shit fool you. Go ahead. Cody hates some shit. Ah. <laughs> um yeah, for any for any artist, for any um athlete to go from coast to coast, from opposing sides and still be able to pull the same numbers, same stats, even better stats, I guess. It doesn't matter where you go. That clearly shows that that particular person is literally a GOAT. And Tom Brady, LeBron James, these niggas are GOATs. They're the only athletes in the past 30 years to play in 10 championships. Mm. They're crazy. That's, That's wild. That's wild, man. You know, I saw a pie chart that was like, I forget where it was exactly, um, throughout all the Super Bowls, like, in, since it started at Super Bowl One, Tom Brady was in, like, I think it's, like, 14% of them, but he has won, like, 48% of them. <laughs> Damn. Or, 48% no, of the won, ones he was in. Sorry. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because no, I was going to say, he's yeah, definitely no way there we go. 48% of those. Yeah, because yeah, maths and, you know, you know, I got you. Um <laughs> You be telling everybody goddamn catchphrase, bro. You got to get your own shit, man. But that's shit. only because Tom Brady will be, will become the first quarterback to start a conference championship with three different decades, you know? 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. That's, that's Damn, dude. Yeah, that's goat shit, um, man. I, Char- Charlotte he, McGay. 
That's Charlotte McGee. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte McGee said uh, that he said I lived in the Tom Brady era. If I didn't see it for myself, I probably wouldn't believe it. Ten Super Bowls, six rings, forty-three years old. I respect the greatness. Now, question. Uh, when you think of the degree of difficulty in American football and look at what Brady has accomplished, does this make him the greatest athlete of all time in any sport? Yeah, no, I don't say that. I won't say that because there are a lot more sports that are more fit. He's a quarterback. Of course, he's gonna, he gets sacked and shit, and he got to run. But he really he throws. And if, and if you watch the Patriots play and, and watch his history, he's had some of the best offensive linemen, which is why he's been able to go to the Super Bowl that many times. So I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't. I agree with you, but I mean, he also didn't like. It seemed like uh, against the Packers, didn't get sacked. Um, but he's also really good at not throwing his interceptions. He's you can tell he's got a great. Uh, uh, well, he threw. call it? Jimmy, football IQ. He 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 threw three interceptions last Sunday, so we're not going to just skim past that. Well, but but you know his ratio and. Depression. Right. No, but here's the thing. Um, we can't call him the best athlete of any sport ever. Um, I mean numbers right. numbers are numbers are cool and he is a GOAT and I'm gonna give him that. But there are a lot of other sports that are more physical like think about soccer players, bro. Actual football players. Like the amount of running and consistent like <laughs> like basically track and field. <laughs> right, exactly. Like nah, we're not gonna call, I'm not I'm not I will give Tom Brady his GOAT status. One of the greatest people to ever play football, but he's not finna get just because he won ten Super Bowls or whatever the fuck. He's not finna get no the greatest athlete to ever live shit. And it's it's way more critical shit that if he was playing a different position, maybe. But he's the quarterback. His job my, is to, his job is to basically throw the ball. So, my argument when people bring up like, is this the greatest athlete? When they use the word athlete, like we say, we might say like this person's my favorite rapper, this person's my favorite singer, but like I'll throw Kanye as the are like the best um, artist, you know, because it's like all around. So if you're talking about athlete, not like best quarterback or best football player, but athlete, yeah. I'm looking at like Deion Sanders or right. Bo Jackson. Yep, you know? yep. Deion Sanders. Okay, like Deion Sanders played what two, three different sports. He was Deion Sanders was the person playing the Super Bowl and the World Series, right? Like, come on, bro. Like, mm-hmm. like no, we gonna talk about greatest athlete. Like, what is Tom Brady's like vertical jump or some shit like that? Like that nigga's not the strongest <laughs> nigga. Don't like the fastest nigga. Like, no, no, no. When was the last time he played basketball? When did he do anything with track, swimming? Right, exactly. When did he do uh, soccer? Exactly. When did he play any other sport to say any of that stuff? Because, exactly. I mean, I doubt I doubt if he would last one round against Mayweather. Exactly. I doubt he last one <laughs> exactly. the guy that just beat old boy ass. <laughs> Him and Tyson, they're both the same age. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's some people that had some nice words for Tom Brady getting to the Super Bowl with this nice accomplishment. And, I mean, accomplishment of being old. I'm just kidding. J.J. Um, <laughs> Watt said, just absurd what Tom Brady has accomplished in his career. Undisputed greatest of all time. Not even remotely debatable. Unreal. Um, Adrian Peterson said, man, congratulations at Tom Brady. Oh, no, he said at. What? Um, never count him out. Hashtag all day. Uh Malcolm Butler said the man switched teams and still going to the Super Bowl. Robert Griffin, uh, new team, new division, new conference, doesn't matter. Brady is yet another Super Bowl. That's just crazy. Man, damn, dog. It is, it is crazy. He is a GOAT, though. He is a GOAT. He ain't going to take that away from me. But I would, I would argue that LeBron could potentially be one of the greatest athletes. Because don't let's not forget, 
LeBron football. was also a football player, and was there was a chance of him like trying to join the, the um um Cowboys. Dallas, yeah, the Cowboys. So we're not just gonna breeze past that yeah, shit neither. He didn't though. He did. <laughs> if you can put up, if you can put up decent stats in multiple places, okay, dope. You are the greatest athlete. You can be considered Man. an athlete. But if, nah. if football teams were looking at LeBron and no basketball teams or any other teams were looking at Brady, that's just what I'm football saying. Yeah. I, would, on, I would say I would. I don't, I don't think I, I, would, I don't think I would he call. I don't out. think I would call LeBron the greatest athlete, but I would say he has a better chance before Brady. Before we say somebody like Brady type shit, like he's he's mm-hmm. played mm-hmm. right. He's played multiple sports. He's played multiple sports and got offered positions on 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 professional levels from you know the two greatest sports leagues. In America, damn near. So it's like you know, LeBron can bench press a truck or a tank, and Tom Brady can press a bench. <laughs> can press a bench. So, the, so yeah, the Packers. You know, uh, speaking of goats, um, Brett Favre said that there's no way the Packers would do anything to jeopardize losing Aaron. So that's two goats that you can uh, respect right there, T.S. You little asshole, because you would agree with Brett Favre with that statement. Um, so there's a listen here, little shit. Marquise Valdez Scantling for the Packers. Um, his, he had 115 receiving yards. Um, became the first Packer to have over 100 plus yards on four or fewer catches in a playoff game since Antonio Freeman. Oh, um, in '98, oh. another Packer. What, what? Another Packer. Um, uh, Devontae, you're another stat. Uh, Devontae Adams, most career postseason reception, 63 in Packers history, beat out uh, Jordy Nelson. Um, he quoted saying, "No excuses, just improvements." Please don't be surprised when I come back better, mother. If you come back better, I don't know if you're human anymore. Mm-hmm. He had the best season I've seen. I when he started in this league, I hated him because he was a Packer and he did nothing but drop balls. It was so, and he is now like the best wide receiver in the league. He is he better comeback than, story? Is he better than Julio Jones and the and the other guy for um? No, Me and one. Julio Jones down by the schoolyard. You know what I'm talking um, about, right? Dude, for for Atlanta, I don't know if he still plays for Atlanta. Yeah. Is um, he, is he still? I, to my knowledge, I know him very well. Um, I mean, not like personally, but you know, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool. He, I liked Julio Jones a lot when, like, I feel like his prime was like maybe 2017, three to five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um. But, you know, that, that was his prime. So I feel like this Devante Adams um, is probably looked at equal or better than that Julio Jones. Oh, shit, man. We got – that's crazy that we got one of the best receivers in the league. I never thought – I mean, I know we've had good receivers. Yeah. But maybe since Antonio – wasn't Antonio Freeman? I don't think we've had a receiver. I was like um, – I've been like, damn, he's like one of the best. Like we've had good – like Donald Driver was a great receiver, but I don't – I never considered him like one of the best receivers. I just considered him good. Really? He was, he was ours, but I don't know. I mean, I never looked at the stats and numbers to compare, but I always thought like, I always felt like there were other receivers. We always had quarterback talk, Favre and, and Rodgers. Mm. I always felt like there was never for other positions. When I would like look at like receipt, like running backs and receivers and shit, that was always other teams. And I'm like, damn, we need to get one of them now, niggas. With I wouldn't one of our put Donald I wouldn't put Donald Driver up with like a uh, you know Jerry Rice. We're looking at like all time or something like that. But it's I'm looking at like when you know when I I grew up with there's Antonio Freeman, there's Donald Driver. They're like those were my heroes as a kid. Like 
that's what you watched every every single week putting up numbers like that was just fun and then all the commercials and everything supporting them it was it was a really big um event it was it was a really big uh what's the word i'm looking for um spectacle i guess a big yeah spectacle basically um that (laughs) made you pay pay attention to sports and it, it even seems different than today because commercials have gone so wildly above the imagination that it it just doesn't feel as genuine at times. So the hype doesn't doesn't seem as big as it was back then because it seemed like it was more primitive and far as far as how they did the promotions. But it just felt more authentic and more real. Mm-hmm. And the game's definitely changed too, with more like rules to protect people's health. So it yeah. was definitely a little more active and stuff. And uh, but yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers, it's a, they gave he gave it his all this season. Fifty-one total touchdowns, um, almost forty-three hundred yards, five interceptions, thirteen and three record. Uh, he had the best of his season at thirty-seven years old. So. so help me understand. Can anybody help me understand? If we got all these good receivers mm-hmm. and we got one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it on our team, how the fuck are we not going to the Super Bowl? Uh-huh. Uh, because we didn't, Aaron didn't run it, and then they didn't convert yep. for the touchdown fourth down. Like what the fuck? Yeah, you uh, gotta that... treat you gotta treat every game as its own separate entity because there are variances and there are are, are uh, potentials and possibilities that can affect each game. Uh, if the team is great, but it doesn't play great together in that one game, and the other team is performing and functioning at a higher level, then of course they're going to lose. There are so many different. Um, factors to playing a game that people just think, oh, because you got these stats, you should be winning, when it's been proven time and time again that that's not necessarily the case. Not to mention, you also have reps who are <laughs> in it for their own um, wealth and, and gain, who don't call calls like they should, and who call extra calls. You know, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things that go into the game there's that a lot of don't make just an that... honest type of thing. Right, there's a lot of holding there... calls that were not called. Yeah, and then at the very end they call it, and it's like, well, I mean, that was holding or pressing between, but it's like that you guys weren't calling all these other ones. Just, that I've was irritating. It, I've heard it referred to as a um, complicated game of rock paper scissors because you have to pick the right play to beat the defense, while the defense is trying to pick the right play to beat the offense, and it's basically who has the better hand. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Well. Man. So Packers did uh, get rid of, um, I think it was the defensive coordinator, maybe, but also a special teams coach. Was that, that, um, that Pat? Is that Pat something for the defense defensive coordinator? Because um, dude, let's see, Mike Patine is out as Packers defensive coordinator after three seasons with the team. So. Patine, okay, yeah. I was uh, watching the game with another uh, group of friends of mine. Um, and uh, they kept talking about the defense. Why'd you mumble through that, dog? It's okay that you have other friends, bro. No, 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 no. I was no, I was literally. No, it's not going to be on punishment. <laughs> no, I I was uh, sipping wine and in between uh, talking and all that shit. But I was watching the group the the game with them, and he, my friend Sam kept kept saying they're going to fire this defensive coordinator. He kept saying like his ass is out after this shit. And I was like, yeah. "You think so?" And now, now Cody's like, "Yeah, they fired the defensive coordinator." They did. And, and I'm, like, I'm just going through my notifications now. So it is defensive coordinator, and then uh, special teams uh, coordinator Sean Menenga. 
um, after two seasons, they fired him. Um, people are trying to get um, a guy named Maurice Drayton to run special teams one day after Sean Manego was fired. Damn. Yeah. You, I would say you hate to see it, but you actually love to see it. So, I mean. I'd yeah. love to see the Packers in the Super Bowl. But um, 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 I, I had some here. It was a, there's a, a, a since, okay. I haven't done one of those in a while. Jennifer King is set to be the first black woman to be a full-time coach in the NFL. That actually happened already because we skipped a week of recording um, wait, for the Washington be, wait, football team. She's going to be the full-time oh. coach, like the head coach? Um, a source confirmed to ESPN that King will be promoted to a full-time offensive assistant by the Washington football team. The NFL Network first reported the news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I was like, head coach. That's that's in, that's insane. It's this, still this, this still this still big good. News, though. This is still yeah. big news. But I, I just thought I'm like, wait a minute. A woman head coach in football would be like earth shattering because motherfuckers would not be ready for that. Like, I I have no problem. I'm just thinking like how how much attention that should have received. Where I should have heard something more than you know just just this right now. So that's why I was like, damn, wait, what what type of coach? Like one of one of the coaches or like the head coach type shit. So, but shot, well, but, speaking of head coaches, Ron Rivera, head coach for the Washington football team, um, same team, uh, was declared cancer free after a checkup Thursday. Um, so shout out to him. And speaking of getting rid of things, um, Deshaun Watson, Watson is trying to get rid of his team and go somewhere else. For the Texans, because Houston sucks. Nobody wants to be there. <laughs> Fuck Houston. Holy <laughs> crap. So I looked up how many coaches are on a, um, any one NFL team. There's 15 assistant coaches, and they're all under the head coach. Right, so it'd be like a def- like a def- defensive something coach, and then like a... Special teams, there's... Uh... Practice coach, strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, there's a lot, you know, a lot of categories. Damn, I could be a coach. Shit, can I be Man, the here. can I be the pharmaceutical coach when they get like hurt and shit? Jesus, y'all need, <laughs> y'all need Tylenol? Oh, y'all need Tylenol? Looking at like, you, just be rubbing your neck like ah, that looks. What do you do? I'm sucks, a drug, drug dealer. Right, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I just say it like I deal your drugs, boy. Come here, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to the, yeah, the sideline. Like, I need my Come here, um, Another team and quarterback uh, separating ways is the Detroit Lions. Um, they are expected to part ways with Matthew Stafford what? this offseason. Yeah. Are you serious? I am serial. Super didn't serial. They, didn't they just pay him like three years, like two, three years ago? Like one of the biggest, like he got like 200 some, something, 200 something million dollars. It was like one, at the time, it was like one of the biggest, like, um, sports deals for mm-hmm. an NFL quarterback for like the amount of years and the amount of money. It was huge, right? That's, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. They sick. Wow, Matt. Uh, he, the, wow. Wow. <laughs> Making money moves. <laughs> um, Damn. But yeah, speaking, speaking, hey, watch this. Speaking of t- Detroit, uh, uh that, that, Mike Poster, that, that. <laughs> I love my transitions. I had arrows pointed everywhere on my sheet of notes. I'm like, oh, I can flip this around. Ah, the places fit into puzzles. Well, 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 it's that time again, good folks. 
of the world. Um, what up, though? So this week, we are showing up a little, a tad bit fashionably late to the game. But last month, we got an early Christmas present on the 18th when Detroit crooner Mike Posner dropped Operation Wake Up. Now, the concept album centers around a day-in-the-life-style story of Posner who lives with mental Ill- mental health issues in the narrative. Oh, it, it's a fictional story. Right, in the, in the narrative. That's, yes, yes, sir. Okay. That's what that means. Thank you, Cody. Uh, I told you not to say anything, Cody. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, a, very ambitious, <laughs> a very ambitious project indeed, but how does the music match up to the message? So, uh, before I start, you know, doing my thug this, how I do my thug this, you know, I want to do a little roundtable of what they thought. Cody, I know you had some very interesting thoughts and some things you wanted to touch on uh, before we started the review. Cody, please give us your insight. Good, sir. Thank you. Uh, I'll start for saying because obviously I love Mike Posner and was following a lot. Um, he was doing like a lot of promo stuff um, this week during, I don't know, he had a new song that's irrelevant to this album, but... Um, he was talking about this album a lot. He was on uh, Zane Lowe's like radio station thing for a little bit, talking about it. Um, he went on Instagram Live, which I was able to ask a question, and he answered my question, and I could not stop crying tears of joy because he said he loves me. But I mean, Siri said she didn't hear him say that. Uh, man, I gotta edit name. Uh, Siri's name out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did it twice. So Man. my question my question to him was like this was <laughs> they, Sorry. on Instagram he was like for a while promoting this I felt like promoting this album he would like uh, you know for a few few times a day um, sporadically like put up pictures and like how Instagram works it kind of made like each picture was like a little snippet of a giant picture like portrait of himself kind of thing and it was all like promoting this album to me it looked like um even like as we'll get into like him like in a corner like with his head bald because it like shaved it all off kind of thing and it was very artistic and so my question was like um this seems very theatrical the build-up the advertising or promotion for it um can you explain and he answered my question and then another question that i of somebody else's that i felt like also answered my question even more um his he said that he started making this he actually made this album after his album at night alone which came out in 2016 um and before a real good kid which we did 2018 i believe what um yeah so he had this he started making this album years ago no he made he it's already done like he made it um years ago so and and in the song too he says like i'm almost 30 and i'm like Right now you're past 30, but okay. So that makes a lot more sense too. So he said that he was sitting on it. It was on his computer because he was afraid to put it out because it was so dark. But he um, also like explains that he doesn't like, he, he was like aware that he was going to lose followers because of it. And he, him and his friend Black Bear, who is an artist, do, does not care about that. So he's like, he was kind of chuckling through that as he still put it out and stuff like that, not caring about what people say, but um, he also said he didn't want to put it up because he was at that time, because he was uh, very healthy and strong in his physique and body and stuff. And he's like, I, I look good. I look strong. I don't, but my album does not portray that. So I don't want to put that album out 
where I'm like mentally weak, but then I look fine. So he, for this, the portraits and the Instagram pictures and stuff, he like, he said he cut a bunch of weight for the pictures and stuff like that and made it look. So it kind of all adds up to me when I was like questioning all this stuff. Cause I knew more of his history. Oh, wow. That's, I did not know any of that, but that is very interesting now that, you know, looking back on having listened to the album, right? it, uh, it does kind of like put some stuff into perspective. Cause I definitely looked up his age too. And I'm like, wait a minute, if this just came out in December, I mean, you can, re- like, you can record born it. You can, you can record, you can record shit and not put it out for years. And so, I mean, that, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Um, um, but I just didn't, I was like, oh, that, that seems a little, you know, maybe he would, I would think that he would change that, but if it all it was already made and whatever, you know, then fuck it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but yeah, no, that's cool. So what did you think about this album then, Cody? Um, I've listened a ton of times. Um, the first way through, I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. I, I was like, it, it was dark and I was like, I can't listen to the beginning and the end ever again. And that actually changed. I don't listen to it frequently, but sometimes I'll run through it. But uh, there are a lot of songs that I'm like, I want to say there's probably like one song that's like an actual song. I think that's a third one with that Jesse J weaponry. Um, and the rest of it seems like it's just like a story out loud kind of thing. But some of them are like really just catchy to me or just like, I just want to listen to this for that one song. And then I end up listening to the whole album because it's just fun to me and i like stories and whatnot i i want to guess what how many uh megaphones mccoy's gonna give it at the end because i feel like i have an idea don't don't guess my megaphone just give it give your megaphones um and then be and be honest about what you feel about it bro me personally i'll give it i mean 8.5 jeans okay Okay. And then we'll go Russell and then McCoy and then be done. <laughs> I was, actually, I was gonna so go scary. I was gonna go T S first. Damn it. No, he's gonna talk bad things. <laughs> he's gonna talk, you sound so God, you're a child. <laughs> you're talk bad things. T S can you just answer this? Do you think like like uh, <laughs> opinions aside, do you think that Mike Posner is a good artist? Reginald. <laughs> Russ, you want to go? Oh, oh man! My God. This is dirty All right, no. <laughs> all right. So I didn't <laughs> listen to this album. I'm not even gonna front my shit. I, I I didn't I didn't listen to this album. I I started and the first the first track was damn near just like the last track on the last album where he's like, this album was made specially to listen to straight through so if you don't have time to listen to it straight through so you're just like i don't listen at all i got time to fuck up photoshop bro i will listen to your album however i want to listen to your album dog but (laughs) this is your project you want me to listen to it straight through oh but if if eminem comes out saying this is music to be murdered by you're like no i don't want to be murdered by this no you listen to that motherfucker (laughs) i uh i Never gotten instructions on how to listen to an album. You should listen really? to this album. Well, this I mean, if you, if you, by, brought to you by Shady Records. <laughs> if, you, if you've been listening to Eminem, then you know there are some 
not instructions, mm-hmm. but there are the public service announcements on the first uh, exactly few, few albums, which kind of like which they don't, they don't tell you what to do, but they let you know like if you're gonna feel this uh, way, you have just subscribed you know. to kick his ass. Yeah, this is Sim said he is fed up with your shit, and he's going to kill you. Uh, anything else? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sue me. Sue me. Um, but but so TS did not listen. Okay, I feel it. Yeah, I, 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 I started listening to the first track and I was like, oh, this is going to be corny, man. I'm, Jeez, damn. Damn. I'm good, man. Like, this is just a musical. All right, that means that you can't put it, say any words to it. It's a musical. It's a, uh, Russell? <laughs> and this is the music session section brought to you by Cody Recor. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. I did notice that I was like taking <laughs> over your said, notes. Was, Zip he, it code. He said, Russell, how do you feel like <laughs> All right, so when I was first listening to production, <laughs> this, is this is just hilarious. It's just, it's just funny because it's so, Cody has so much passion in it. So, Russ, how did you feel about the CD, man? Or the album? I thought it was shit. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> he gonna make Doc have Cody. an aneurysm. I'm go. <laughs> <laughs> and this is to go My... further than beyond. <laughs> we have one gene. Um... <laughs> My initial thoughts um, after listening to, I want to say, like the first two or three tracks, I literally stopped and I began to question if there was something wrong with y'all because there's, there's been a lot of depressive material to surface recently. Um but I did some research regarding uh, the album and when he put it out and why he put it out and um, how his fans took it and, and all this other stuff um, so that I could continue listening it through. Uh, sorry, Mike, I didn't listen all the way straight the first time. Um, <laughs> but I, I did manage to, to get through it. Um, and it was quite a journey. Um, I, I can say uh, I do love the, um, the music scheme uh, of both the albums I've heard off of him, um, I really enjoy. Uh, it, it always takes me back to certain genres that I used to really have in heavy rotation, and they. Um, I listen to things in kind of spurts. So I might listen to rock one day. I might listen to alternative, to jazz, to country, to rock, uh, to rap, to to R and B, and and mix it up. Right, classical. Um, depending on mood and and what i'm listening to music for um but i can say that um his journey was interesting um or at least the journey in this this um this narrative was was interesting um the rhyme scheme i thought was pretty pretty clever um and then just the the transparency of certain things um it felt felt as authentic as i think he wanted it to be um so i thought it was a decent um decent album would it be something i listen to on a regular basis Probably not, but I can honestly see um, a few of the songs at least uh, making it into like a general rotation. Okay, okay. Well, I okay. So, what would you give it if you had to? Well, you didn't listen to those things. I don't, okay, I don't. No, I you said he thing. did. Oh, just you not did. The first oh, time. you did. Not the first. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. What would you? Yeah. What would you give yeah. it in terms of in terms of mics or megaphones? Megaphones. We not Bibles. Mics. Bi- uh, <laughs> holy, bi- holy Bibles. Bibles. How many commandments? Because there's ten of them. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I would say. Um, 
I was I would probably give it a seven point five eight somewhere in there. Um, okay. Yeah, like I said, I don't think this is a bad album at all. Um, I don't think it's the best, but I think it's a very solid album. Like I said, it's not something that I would <laughs> listen to on a regular basis, but it definitely gets a few more listens for me. Okay. All right. Well, that is that is. I'm glad that we are all getting our real feelings out about this album. So. Um, for me, I'm gonna you know how how I always got to do my shit, how I do my shit, and I'm gonna start with best production. Um, once in a while. So this this record, I love the simple yet effective like kick and like bass drum use here, and the light keys in the background that hold together the melody. Okay, the simplicity of the beat opens up room for the horns and the brass to come in in a moment to come in as a moment highlight for the chorus and it serves as like some extra like oomph that takes the sound over the top i really 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 dug this track and i thought it was a a good second track based on the first on the first track i liked where that was headed and like how that was kind of aggressive and this one kind of smoothed it all out because if we're talking about you know mental illness um it just seems like being able to kind of go through those emotions um and jump and and move through those very, you know, I don't, I don't want to say gracefully, but almost in kind of like we can go from one place to another. That just seems like um, how how mental illness has been described to me from people that, that deal with it on a regular basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they could feel one way, you know, one minute and then just think about one thing and all of a sudden, you know, now we're, now we're here. And that's what I feel like a lot of the transitions and, shit and, and things of that nature and shit on this album did. So I like that that sound that came from for once in a while. Um, so second beat that I like, Mike meets uh Black Bear at uh Joe's Falafels or mm. Joe's Falafel. Um <clears throat> it has a like a, a nice like pop rock swing that is carried by like by by guitar rhythms throughout the song. Right? But even that sound goes kind of hand in hand with some slight like hip hop bounce. Like at least a little bit of hip hop bouncing that you can hear in the record. And then we also get another amazing use. Like, he does this throughout the album. We get another amazing use of horns here for a little razzle-dazzle. Like, they peek in just at the <laughs> right moment. And you and once you get to, like, the, like, this track, you really see, like, you know, Mike's ability is not just in song. Like, he is really an all-around musical artist. He does say he's a student of all music and... And you and you can hear that you can hear that a lot in the shit that he does, especially especially in production, choosing when transition and chords should change and things should get like pitches and things should go octaves should go up or there should be more drama in the sound, you know, yeah. in in each record. You hear that in his music, and and it kind of is amazing because he's not only writing this but producing this shit, you know, hand in hand. So, alone in a mansion. This beat is another example of simple being the best choice each time. Um, we we talk about this so much on in the music se- um, segment when we go over albums and th- shit like that that I listen to, and it always comes down to the stripped down shit. They got about four or five tracks. You know what I mean? Those shits be the best. That be the best shit. And this is and there are so like what's carrying this beat. Um. 
there are two notes that have a climbing effect with a sharp release at the end. And that keeps, that is the basis for this instrumental, whole way through. Um, it's like a stripped down, really stripped down kick and snare drum combo here. Very light. It doesn't seem too layered. It just, and it's, oh, perfectly EQ'd snare, man. It does something for me, man. I'm telling you, that shit is like for my soul. When a, when a motherfucker, you know, you don't just pick the, the pick the right sound, but you get that motherfucker to sound just crisp enough or just, uh, tingy enough or it's like enough mid in there, enough treble or something. Like the right snare, man, is like everything to me, man. <clears throat> but that snare and that, kick drum combo that carry the song and then midway there's a switch up that adds more synth keys and a heavier guitar like midway um and that's when his vocal vocals become a little bit more stressed and he becomes he you know starts singing a little bit rougher and that's just his song transition his song changes chord changes and and, and progression and shit and his records are so well thought out man um so from there, then you go to only add a vocal sample at the end that says what, you know, that, that kind of comes in with the drum beat switch up. And it really makes this like one of the most solid pieces of production for me on this, uh, on this, on this album. So production is great. Production is great. But best songs is where I have a lot written down because best songs is where, I don't know, Mike does something like I always when I think of Mike Posner now I always think of Bob Dylan like it just automatically I think of our generations one of our generations Dylan's you know I mean there's other great writers <clears throat> like the Frank Ocean's shout out I, I think of Frank Ocean too when I think of when I think of Mike Posner um it just in the sense of how well they write you know whether you're saying simple shit or whether you're saying some elaborate shit <clears throat> they know what needs to be said, where it needs to be placed, how it needs to come off, and how much detail to give the listener. So, <clears throat> the first of the best songs, Once in a While. This is probably my favorite song on this album because not only is the production A1, but the storytelling picks up here, and the way he structures the moments in the song is super effective to the vibe. So, from telling the story of getting into, getting to the studio and then jesse j which is a featured um artist on the album and a featured uh person in this story which is again all fictional he says in the beginning but from getting to the studio and then jesse walking in and noticing his haircut jesus christ so from getting to the studio then jesse walking in and noticing his haircut it is all placed in the perfect spot and the I love the tone and the cadence that he says the chorus in the simple once in a while, once in a while, once in a while is like the perfect pitch and it speaks to how he makes the song. Like it's just he chooses exactly he knows what makes a song well. You know what I'm saying? Like this needs to be I'm gonna write this, but I'm only gonna say it for this long. I'm only gonna extend <clears throat> this part of it. I'm only going to it's not this is the chorus, but I'm only going to say once in a while. I'm going to say it that line four times here, but I'm only going to say it two times and before, you know, when she first walks in. Like, it's all these different factors as to what he's doing, and it makes so much sense. <clears throat> um, but then 
I also like when he when he writes the part where he's talking to Jesse. He goes very original. I'm sensing something subliminal. This guy's weird. That's Jesse's voice coming in. He goes, I think she doesn't really like me. Jesse's voice comes back in. I don't like him. I don't like him. I think she's thinking that I'm lame as fuck. He's lame as fuck. He's lame as fuck. Yeah, she's thinking that I'm lame as fuck. Yep. So I'm going to sing her a song that I already wrote and pretend I just made it up. Then transitioning into the demo of what becomes the next song. This is very well created dude this is like really that was a moment when i was like okay this motherfucker's on to something and mind you i listened to it the whole way through the first time but i was washing dishes but i but i did that with this other album too i, I always watch washing dishes <laughs> like no washing dishes while i listen to albums is like a like a norm like a like dude, a there is something about washing dishes that i feel like is very meditative i'm like yeah, I'm very, in my zone <laughs> very very like i can i can watch dishes and, and shit and like really pay attention to what's going on in this album. Almost more. I don't know what it is about washing dishes, but that's how I listen to a lot of albums for the first time, especially Mike Posner when he said this and for his last album. <clears throat> to You need some honey in your wine. Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, he, you know, when he said to make sure you're paying attention, I knew, oh, yeah, turn, bust, I'm finna bust these suds. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> so, um, the, second, the second song, Tracy Calling Noel. Okay, again, next level storytelling here and perfect structure of writing that makes this a great song. This, it is only, it is the only song on here that we don't get from the perspective of Mike. And as a, and as a writer, this offers us as listeners the ability to understand how these relationships can be affecting the story or even how they may not. And some of it might be in Mike's head. The dialogue in the record is like a good movie dialogue that helps you learn whose side you might be on now. And even the chorus, which is coming from their perspective, offers info for the listener on their feelings about Mike. So when it says, um, I, I don't mean to cause no trouble. I don't mean to steal your joy. I don't mean to burst your bubble. But he's just a little boy. It's good shit. Because that's talking about how Tracy feels for Mike. And doesn't want Mike to be hurt. Like the, when you hear how somebody can speak to somebody else about somebody or be try to be an advocate for them, it's just really good um, songwriting that touches on human emotions. And I think this album pull pulls it off pretty well. Alone in the mansion. This is the last track for obvious reasons. It's not just because it's the end of the story, but it also is a combination of feelings in the different switches in the records sounds. <laughs> And also the vibes. So it's the self-reflection and the storytelling that, sh- that is showing what someone who may deal with depression has has to go through. I just love the part of the chorus where he sings, because um, cause, cause, <clears throat> cause right now you're wrapped up in another man's arms who doesn't hold his love for ransom. And I'm right here, alone in this mansion. Now, if you listen to the record, all the way he's like the tones, the pitches, the way he that comes off. I don't sing like Mike Posner, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to recreate <laughs> it. But um, my time to shine. <laughs> no, you shouldn't recreate it either. Cause just let it go, let it go. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, at the end of this song, by finishing a piece, he, he also ends this song. Excuse me, by finishing a piece that he spent the earlier half of the album reciting and developing in rough moments of anxiety. 
which just hit me today that I'm like, I kind of got vibes of uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, I mentioned Kendrick in his review as, as well. Um, mm-hmm. So giving too much, a, not so not giving too much away. This is one of the best songs because it finalizes this incredible story in a predictable, but nonetheless perfect manner. So, overall, I listened to this body of work multiple times, probably a good seven times. And I have to say that this is a great piece of art. This album is really one of reflection. For example, in Mike's, you know, Mike meets Blackbeard or Black Bear at Joe's Falafel. He mentions riding in an uber black car to his meeting with his industry friend. Now, I asked because I thought, I'm like, I don't ride Uber much, but I think that's like the fancy cars. And I asked my girlfriend, I said, Uber Black, that's like super expensive Uber, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, and I remember driving in the car, and I said, why in the fuck does that matter if you're taking an Uber? It's not your car anyways. And so I just had this moment where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But you remember that this person is in Hollywood, in L.A., dealing with mental illness, and you just start to reflect on certain things. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with us as people? That well, and then, well, like, how he touches, I feel like, on, like, um, how he moved from L.A. back to home yeah. to Detroit because he yeah. couldn't handle yeah. L.A., and then he's like, who's going to pay for this house? And Black Bear was like, did you really just say that? Dude, you're rich. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, and it's all these things are being said, and you're really going through this. You're like, damn, like, damn, bro. Because I, because of the, of me knowing you know, from the beginning that he wants us to listen to this. It's a concept album. He wants us to pay full attention to it and yada, yada, yada. Like, it... You really start to think about those certain... The little the little intricacies of, like, why he might have wrote that. And, like, he had to mention, like, I'm, I'm going to make sure I pull up in Uber Black, you know, because he's going to... I want it to be cool and I want bitches to be in the DMs of my Posner and all that shit. Like, but the way he tells you why he's in this expensive automobile is the charm of, the, of this album. It makes you look at certain things... And wonder not only why he might have chose to do something, but what you might do in his shoes. The pockets of selfless exposure and feelings are sprinkled very purposefully all over this project. Kendrick Lamar once said, and I spoke about this a lot. This is one of my favorite quotes from Kendrick. He said that music is supposed to make you feel something. You know, everybody, you know, I get, especially as a rap fiend, I get wrapped up in motherfuckers being nice to the lyrics, which, which you do got to be nice for me, but wrapped up <laughs> right exactly but i think music is supposed to make you feel something man and i left this album feeling 30 i feel like that that no that bitch didn't do that shit in that room no that motherfucker didn't like i've left this album very <laughs> involved very involved very upset very like not my not my man's like you motherfuckers like you know what i'm saying and you know, that it's was good artist work when it like it pulls on your emotions like that. Exactly from a from an album standpoint, I got some of the same feelings when I was listening to Kendrick Lamar's debut studio or major label debut, which is to, uh, uh, Good Kid, Mad City. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike does a perfect job making you feel most emotions connected to the psyche of someone who might be struggling with mental health. Looking at how per. <clears throat> And how precise Mike is from songwriting and song production makes this album seem like an audio form of fine art. Swear to God, like songs have really high points and really low points for the sake of art, and it works. Now, I would say the only things that I don't 
like about this project, and these are personal dislikes, but I think they're important. The first thing is using high and low on LSD, that track, as a like four-minute audio representation of a trip, which, for the purpose of this album's story, is phenomenal. But as a listener... Is it kind of like a skit? It's, it's, I mean, it's an audio... I mean, it's a, it's a song. It's really it's, it's music, and it's audio clips, and they lace together to reflect what he what he thinks from an audio standpoint it'd be like, you know, being on a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can appreciate it for the sense of the, for the sake of the story, but as a listener, I don't want to hear a single set of random abstract art splotches. That's, you know, like when you take a, a, a paintbrush and you just throw it at a, <clears throat> at a canvas, you, it's abstract art and it's a, a, a different type of art you're looking at. You know, it's, visual art this is you know audio art but it's just something different that you're looking at and i don't necessarily like a lot of abstract art sometimes i gotta catch me and i just didn't and with this being in the middle of the album and being four minutes long it's good for the story if you're listening to it start to finish but this is the first four minutes of this track is skippable but you need the last minute and a half so you can't skip it you know what i mean so I would prefer that he would have separated this part from the last minute and a half of the track so that we got the rest of the story or we could skip the trip if we wanted to and get to the rest of the story. Um, so there's that. And then the, ar- <clears throat> the the second thing is the album concept is so spot on that it's a gift and a curse. The concept leaves no room for fat in our, no room for fat in our experience. So it makes everything work well together seam- seamlessly but not as a solo song. Most of everything on this album really shines because of the greater story it's a part of. So replay value as a body is somewhat there, but not as singles for me. So, that being said, though, I really came away from this with high regard. And I'm going to be honest, and I give this album a 9. Wow. But let me tell you why, though. I give this album a 9... Because this is what you want from art. I have some of the same feelings from this album that I have when I listen to Reason album. Or when I listen to, you know, certain shit from not. Like, like this album is what you want somebody who's doing art to do. This is bound, this is, if you're really paying attention to this, this is like sensational boundary pushing. Like, this is, this is, I kind of understand why I didn't like, I didn't, don't want to say I didn't like, but the other album I reviewed, a really good kid, I believe that was called what it was called. Yeah. Was him now that I know what you said, that was him trying to repeat this magic. Because this was there first. This is better than better than that. Really? This is way more concise. It's way more thought out. I felt way more. I think with the other one with the death of his father and everything, he was a little probably more emotional and trying to get a point across. This is way more calculated. This is way, way, way better to me. And this is using the art form of musical recording to achieve something amazing. And while not perfect, it's damn near there. Musically and vocally. Like musically, vocally, and like the, the shit that's written, written here. I think it deserves more attention than it may have gotten. I just know when it comes to musical talent... Mike is no poser. <laughs> He's the real deal. <laughs> I, uh, I just want to say real quick, too, like, um, 
when one of his recent interviews, like he said, uh, the the very ending of it, he I forget what's the other one. He said that he got it off of two um, that idea off of two other albums, but I forget what one of them was. But the other was he said uh, Biggie's Ready to Die. Um, but I I thought they were gonna give it a seven, um, and I was assuming the biggest part of that was um, replay value and like. I don't know. That's the, but can, can you? That's really the I'm only. Just, ask, can you? I gave it. A, I gave it a nine. Nine megaphones. Is that what you want me to say that again? <laughs> no, I, I want to know. Like, oh, because I'm, 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 I'm shocked that no, it's a I, nine. Um, I just want to know what else. You know, why a nine? What, what else was lacking in your <laughs> opinion? Oh, I thought you were going to argue why it should have been a seven. Like, we know. Are you no, guiding us right now, Cody? What the fuck? Trying to be it's, rational it's or the, unbiased. It's the, <laughs> it's the ability for replay. It's the ability for replay and the fact that I have to... I can't... I'm never giving anything a 10 that I have to skip songs. So, I... Mm-hmm. I After that... After my second listen, I skipped the LSD song. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely. And I don't... And I know what's going to happen at the end so I can skip it when... Be knowledgeable of what's going to, you know, occur. But I skip the LSD song every time now because um, I don't – I mean, there's no really – You're like, I know what to expect. Right. I didn't but... really time to hear four, four minutes of audio that has song switches and changes and, and, and random shit going on. And it's cool. It's very artistic, but it's not – I don't care to hear it. And, I'm, and that's why – that's <clears throat> what's lacking. And then also the ability to replay. You, this is not like, – like Russell said, this is not something you can just come back to – all the time often but if you but but if you i don't know it's something about this cd that i was so emotionally involved so it wasn't that it was just good writing and production because we could stand on that you could stand on that and argue that's a seven or eight or whatever but it was the emotion and how attached i was and how attached i still am after seven listens to fuck that bitch like you know like how i <laughs> that i am really upset that she got away with that <laughs> so i think it was funny too like i was definitely emotionally attached like same way my first feel is that i keep listening back and i feel like it's my sadistic sense of humor comes out when she's like get the fuck out of my house this isn't even your, your house. house yes and i want to and i want to punch her each time too you couldn't you couldn't have sex somewhere else no <laughs> right exactly like now you're gonna get kicked in the face now right. face kick face kick kick to the nose kick to the fucking nostrils but Again, uh, it's just it's really good. It's really he used audio recording to do to like do something different. And I often think about that shit when it comes to other music, like how everybody didn't rap, everybody didn't recorded the guitar, everybody didn't sung. So what are we doing now with record? Like even <clears throat> even in rap, <clears throat> shit, damn. Sorry, y'all. Even in rap, there is you know i remember growing up and motherfuckers started using sound effects and shit in the middle in the midst of the raps and shit like like niggas would make like car noise like be like i'm gonna pull off like they would do eminem and ludicrous and niggas would do that type of shit in the midst of their raps and i thought that was so cool it's 2021 now and i'm wondering like eminem does it a little bit now and music to be murdered by and it sounds so corny now um and i'm like He was one of the originators to do it the best, but now it's like, I, what else can you do as an artist with the music, with the audio, to make this make sense? And for the fact that he wrote these records and produced these records, you know, it's just, it's next level for me, man. So I, I think, 
you know, this really would have been a seven or eight if I was just going off just talent. But it's so it pulls you in in a way that you is undeniable. You know what I mean? So that's why I think that this album deserves a lot more credit. And you know, of course, it's probably not gonna get. I don't know if he submitted for Grammys and shit like that, but this is definitely something that should be looked at for people, you know, and, and even people, even though he says don't listen to it if you have mental illness, you know, I, there are some people that in my life I want to play this, but I'm like, I don't, I know you, sh- they say you shouldn't, but I think it might be, beneficial. it might be something that you might be able to relate to in a sense. It might be cleansing a little bit, or maybe, I don't, I don't want it to be triggering, you know, Lord knows I don't want it to be that for that person, yeah. but I think I am, I am interested into, you know, so, but are interested to test it out on somebody who has mental issues. Right. Can you take no, his? no, no. I'm just I just think it would be helpful. The the people that I'm thinking of, I think it would be helpful. I think they'll be they'll find something in it that they can say, like, hey, you know, I've been there, I kinda know what that feels like, or, you know. Cause this because it made me feel a way and I'm not and I don't deal with it on that level, you know, like how other people deal with it, and it made me feel a way, so it might be like a, like a damn hey you know this album was made for me like I can feel like what he's going you know it might be that for somebody else I think him saying don't listen to it um, maybe because of the the very last part but I just think that he's kind of can't really take that from people who might want to listen you know what I'm saying so but that's just me but that's hey that's what I say it's a nine um, yeah man it's 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 really good it's really really good I didn't expect it to, I didn't expect to give it I didn't go into this thinking like yeah I'm gonna give this a nine it's the multiple listens made me like, damn, I'm, I like this shit. I really want to fight that, just, that bitch. Like, so that just tells me that that cash app I sent went through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I just <laughs> wanted to say that is it the fact that you had to listen to it multiple times that makes it a nine, or you, you know what I mean? Um, because if you hadn't listened to it that many times, it gave it the benefit of the doubt. Would it still be a nine to you? Um, and I think that that is what gives this album um, the credit that it does have is that, like I said, you can't just listen to it for the one time. Yeah. Um, even I had to stop in the middle and then, like, figure some stuff out because, like I said, I was really worried for y'all. Like, yo, are y'all okay? Because <laughs> this album is really kind of, you know, dark. And, um, I know, it's and having listened to the, the Kid Cudi before, and it's like, <laughs> yo, y'all need to talk. Oh. And then Tia oh, no. and I are making memes what? about ourselves, and McCoy's like, "Why do you guys love hurting your, each other <laughs> like yourselves?" I love pain. Oh. I got something to say about that um, after the <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know. Boring. Sorry, Russ. I don't know. I don't know if it's. Um, I, I will tell you this. So, in sitting down with it, I kind of was like, "Okay, all right, man, let's get ready to listen to this album." You know, I wasn't. It wasn't something where I was like super excited to listen to, you know? Because I'm not a huge Mike Posner fan. You know, I'm not, you know, it's not like when an MCD job, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to see what this, you know, what it's hidden for. So I'm yeah, like, okay. He's, okay. he's all right, I guess. Right, so like, I'm like, all right, I'm like, let, me, let, me see, let me see what the man, you know, finna get, get off into. And it was by, like, the third or fourth, so I'm like, I was in totally invested. I'm like, this is my God. And then, you know, because I have to do it for the pot, I always try to listen to shit more than, you know, at least, like, three times so I can, like, really do what I got to do. And I found you listened to Benny the Butcher three times. No, I listened to it two. It was about two and a half. It wasn't a full three, but I listened to it uh, at least two. And then I started like sprinkling through. Um, He just put the tip in. 
Russell After listening to the review and what you guys had to say about it, you guys have made this album seem a lot more interesting than uh, the first album that we listened to by uh, Mike Posner. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Listening, for for me, it was kind of like the same thing with the bus rhymes thing, where it's like, okay, I just got to get over this first track and kind of get into the rest of the CD because the first track was just so heavy. And so, like, you need to do this. And, uh, you know, and then bus rhymes be on some, some real... Um, yep. African uh, religious um, gods and all that right. kind of good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it really you really got to get past the first track to really understand how deep the rabbit hole goes. To coin a, uh, a phrase, yeah. Um, but I, I really recommend you listen to it, TS. Um, like I said, um, the first couple tracks, I was like, "Yo, what is going on?" And then towards the to, towards the middle, was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm understanding how this is kind of forming now." And in that last part, uh, yeah, it's quite a twist. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 man. I think it's dope that you guys don't want to say what the last part was. That's how, like, you guys are describing this <laughs> like, it, like it's an actual movie. Oh, we don't want to tell you how it ends. Kind of. But um, you need to get to that part. But you have yeah. to listen to the first part first. Ah, okay, all right. Well, yeah, first thing first, right? Weren't you talking about first that? First things first. But that's, and that's, what, <laughs> that's why that, that's why <laughs> that's why 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 even if you don't fuck with all the different types of music or where he goes with the music, it's the storytelling is so amazing. It puts you on a biggie. Like, you feel like you listening to a biggie fucking record or you feel like you listening to a M. I felt like, I, yo, when that, there was a point where he was doing some writing or whatever in, in his phone or like he was talking about me, Black, Black Bear. And it was some interaction that was happening between them and I'm like, damn, this reminds me of Stan type shit. Like Dude. from Eminem, yeah. there's just that's that's how good the storytelling. That's why I'm suck. That's why I'm like, yo, this is, you know, regardless of what reviews it gets, any uh, other places or what type of attention it gets, this as a piece of work is a really solid body of work. I wouldn't call it perfect because I have have had to skip a track, but it's really good. It's really really good to me, dog. Like that's it's crazy, bro. If and production it, wise, I uh, like he said that he made it after. Um, at Night Alone, which came out in 2016, and then I know in 2017 he made the Mansions album, which is a group of him and Black Bear, oh. and that's uh, it. Really reminds me of the Mansions album with him and Black Bear, like the production wise and oh, the sounds that they use. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, TS, you got a, you got 36 minutes. Uh, Sit down, wash some, wash some dishes or something, bro. You don't even need fifty dollars. Right. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So now, honestly, it's time for Russell Prosperity. We did a round. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, baby. First, I want to say that uh, McCoy, you have uh, musical ADHD. Um, <laughs> whenever somebody says a lyric, you gotta finish it. It was so funny to me. Right. 
Because you're not going to get away with that. I'm going to do it on purpose just to see. I'll be cracking me up. Um, Dude, okay. So you noticed that. See, I'll be setting you up. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to see. I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> I can't take it, bro. I can't. Dude, when I hear certain shit, like, okay, real quick. The silhouette challenge shit. When I heard that uh-huh. last beat, and I knew I heard, I'm like, bro, I was getting angry. I'm in the living room pacing, like, no, no, no. What song is this? Somebody, no, nah, no. What song is this? Listen, <laughs> I get like that too. Like I said, when, when I was listening to a couple of the uh, the albums you said we had to listen to, I would go through my music collection. Like this sounds like something I've heard somewhere else. What is this? And I will I will be up all night trying to figure it out. So I understand. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh my god. All right, so the real first uh, point, you know, shout out. Um, I want to give a local um, shout out to all the local businesses and entrepreneurs who are still striving, still grinding, still um, making themselves available and finding new and innovative ways to stay afloat and continue to serve and push their product, for lack of a better uh, phrase. Um, Many may not say how much you're appreciated and sought after in this pandemic, um, which has made a majority of brick-and-mortar businesses obsolete. But we do appreciate the grind and the striving that you're doing, um, even when you're not supported like like you should be by the government. Um, so we want to thank you for just a good shout-out uh, to y'all. Um, second, I'd like to extend a disclaimer regarding the topic at hand. Um, this is simply my own opinion, maybe mixed with a, a bit of devil's advocacy, um, uh, perspective in order to promote thought. Uh, this is by no means uh, law. I have not searched uh, every book, every video, every uh, YouTube video, every other type of media on this subject, and I approach most everything in a fair-minded manner, um, trying to promote and present multiple sides uh, to generate thought. Um, I don't want to be the major barometer and standard for anyone as I consider myself a student of life, uh, as I hope everyone else who listens to me does. However, I do appreciate you guys and those who are listening, um, listening to me prattle on and hold me accountable for what I deliver and holding some things I say in regard. For sure. Having said that. Holy crap, are we starting another Mike Posner album? We're <laughs> <laughs> all sitting down like, what did we do? <laughs> Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Having hey, said if you that. start singing, dog, I swear to God. <laughs> hey, go reconsider life. Show. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Real challenge. Inside. Um, right. uh, so having said that, um, let's talk about the thought of being present, the notion of being free from the attachment of outcomes uh, and outcome seeking, and why some gurus feel that there is no oscillation between those notions and how they may be connected um, to basically every, everyday things, everyday drama, everyday thoughts, um, and how they kind of work together sometimes, and sometimes they should be um, pulled apart. Um, so many literary works and videos that I came across talking about letting go, relinquishing control, being in the present moment, not focusing on the potential reaction, staying out of the past, not simply focus on the future, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these topics deal with the concept of suffering. Um, Suffering seems to be um, all around and inside these different videos and and books. Um, I've heard it said before that if you focus on the past or the future, you are struggling. Um, I believe we talked about this before, how the logic behind that being that you can't change the past, 
and the future will never become, or excuse me, the future will never come as we are always in the present. And, you know, logically that makes sense. Um, you can't be in the future because you're always in the present. Even if you go to the future, that is your current pre present. Make sense? True. Uh, mm -hmm. Plot twist. <laughs> Back to the future four, look at that. <laughs> um, but now there are, of course, ways to interact with both these periods of time. Um, with the past, um, you can use it as a learning experience um, based on what you experience uh, to make you a better, quote unquote, person or to um, force you to have an evolution of sorts and change your way of thinking or your way of doing things. Um, or it can keep you chained to a specific mental, emotional state because of the things you went in the past, uh, went through in the past and how they now shape how you do things um, negatively, meaning they're holding you back from really um, reaching the potential of what you can do and what you can be. Um, the future can be the goal to affect a change that you want to happen um, or allow things to happen um, uh, by letting the present take its course towards the future. Um, but focusing on these time periods is what is considered to be counterproductive. Focusing on anything other than the present, you mean? Um, when I say focus, I mean really not being able to function in the present. So that's that's what I want to kind of make the distinction. Um, okay. Because there are certain things that you you, you have to learn from the past um, in order to be where you are. I had to learn how to crawl. Basically, some people could, could walk before they crawled. But for the general population, you usually learn crawling first in order to be able to strengthen your body to walk. And then you learn to walk enough get the balance and your bearing straight to where you could then run um, and jump and do all these uh, other things that required some form, form of building block to get there. So the past can be that building block to get to where you are now. And it can also be the catalyst for what happens in the future. So <clears throat> um, like I said, it's, it's not that you can't um, look at things in the future or look towards the future or plan yeah, for the future. It's don't just, get stuck. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of this, um, a lot of this attachment to like outcomes and and, and to the future or to the past or different things and, and this process of struggling is due to the fact that um, as a species, we tend to be uh, overzealous and addictive in nature to certain things, um, which is why I think religion plays a lot a part in this. Um, in that they set rules and guidelines for people to keep them from being, um, to, to help them learn temperance and, moder and moderation. Uh, because a lot of us, when we go for something, we really go for it all the way and, and indulge in it and drown in it. And it can be more harmful than good. Um, uh, one of the gurus that I was, I was watching <coughs> um, is, is Indian. And he talks about that we don't, um, talk about he's, those who are really enlightened and really follow the way, um, those who really know the purpose of the religious practice and the routine, um, as well as the spiritual side, the relationship, um, know that if you drink wine, if you do certain drugs within a space that's safe, um, if you indulge in intimacy with people, um, 
in a a manner and a measure that's not destructive and harmful, it can be a very enjoyable experience. But because when we engage in these actions, we don't have that fortitude, we don't have that that mindset to be like, okay, this is enough for me, I'm good. Um, and we just like, you know, I'm gonna take it to the limit. We finna, you know, we finna get lit, we finna do this, da da da. da. Um, we often cause more suffering, more harm than if we could exercise that moderation, which is why those those points and those rules come into to being. Is this uh intervention for me or something? I just want to make sure that we're in the same way that we're not like somebody's gonna pop out with a camera, like, hey McCoy, guess what? No more drugs for you. No, like you're this. fine because you gave Mike Posner your name. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that might, that might be the drug. No, I'm just playing. Right. Right. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. If I give him a name, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> one more perk. No, one more perk. would have been eleven. Not looking at. All right. Um. <laughs> no, no. But um, like I said, um, the the main tenets for most um, most religious practice is to be away from judging, as it is not our standard that we can judge you by. Um, there is a higher standard that we should all be striving to live for, and that we encourage each other to live in that standard. But um, and especially the Bible, because the Bible says, you know, judge not because by the same manner you will be judged, basically, um, in that I can't judge you on something because there are things that I'm struggling with in my walk, in my life that I should be judged for. And so if I'm judging you by this standard that I'm putting out, more than likely I will also be judged by the same standard because I am not perfect, because nobody is perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let he without sin cast the first stone. Right. Um, and then the Catholic joke goes, there's a rock that flew, and Jesus said, Mary. And, and because they believe Mary to be immaculate. Um, so wait, they, was, wait, they believe Mary to be a who? Um, to, because of the immaculate co- conception, oh, okay. they regard her. And, you know, so. Oh, oh, God, God. Okay. Yeah. Like, no. the residue of... <laughs> of Holy Spirit? <laughs> um... Aliens. <laughs> All right. So uh, many different speakers, teachers, gurus, etc., speak on the concept of being free from attachment and not being attached to, to outcomes. <clears throat> many people also piggyback on the principle of being in the moment or being present. The main point here is that by focusing on outcomes and becoming attached to certain outcomes, you actually do more harm than good. Um, there was a speaker who was talking about how we are programmed from an early age to attach, to set ambitions from a logical standpoint, to focus on one particular thing in a particular way for a particular end. We are inducted into a specific routine for most of our lives, and we are pushing as well as being pushed into a mnemonic that we can't seem to deviate from as we don't have any freedom to do so at an early age. Um, there have been some progressive measures in that uh, as far as how we um, see children being raised. And, you know, there are some good and some bad um, points that, that come out of that. Um, one thing that I really, really like is how they're um, teaching parents to not name their children as far as, like, calling them bad or, um, you know, you're being bad or, um, being bossy or things of that nature and reframing it so the child knows that it's not them who is, you know, 
uh, like a terrible person or a terrible being, but that the action should be more mm-hmm. um, scrutinized so that they see that, okay, this action is not good and there's something else I could do in return. Um, and changing the language and speaking to them um, so that you promote uh, more positive outlooks instead of um, negative feelings. Yeah, I definitely use that very well. We, uh, so saying like, you know, that was dumb that you did that kind of thing. No. <laughs> but is it like, a, more like, now do you think that was the best choice or that wasn't a very right. smart decision that you made? Right, right. Or even engaging the child and being like, so what made you think to do that? Because, you know, talk me through your, your thought process. What were you thinking? Listen to your little shit. Right. Just get the so that they get used to explaining things and talking out their feelings and thoughts um, because that is a skill that is really necessary when you get older. You see a lot of people who can't form complete sentences of how they feel, how they think, why they did such a thing. Um, and it, 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 it boggles me because it's like, this should be something that's elementary for you. You know what I mean? Very true. Very true, man. Damn. I gotta make sure. Common sense ain't common to everybody. Common to who? What's common for me may not be common for you. Ooh, Barth. Right. No, I definitely understand. Um, What was I going to say? I was going to say that um, one one instance of this is um, excuse me, I heard a um, I want to say it was a, a mother, a mother, father, and a child, uh, and their child, um, and the difference in how they spoke to the child. Now, in this particular setting, um, the mom was saying, "He's just so bad, it's so bad," and the father was like, "Yo, I think we need to change how we say that because we don't want to get him a complex about thinking that he's a bad person or he's a bad child or things of that nature." So. Um, let's focus on the situation and see what it actually really speaks to. And so <clears throat> that was really profound for me because if you think about it, most of the time when we, we talk about, you know, oh, yo, that little cat is bad or, you know, uh, uh, um, they used to say busy when um, <laughs> I was growing up. Uh, that, that cat is real busy, you know what I'm saying? Um, and looking at actions, a lot of times it's the kid um, – really showing their creative side or really showing their, their intelligence side because they're doing things that are outside of the box from what we would do. Um, and we have to realize that they're still learning how to just be. And that's not something that you, you do overnight. Um, it takes a lifetime to learn how to be. You know, even now we're still learning how to be um, in these new situations that rise up, this whole pandemic thing, working from home, being six feet away from people at least, wearing masks. We're, we're learning new ways to be because the world is ever-changing. Life is ever-changing. The only constant is change. Damn. Damn. <clears throat> so we'll graduate from certain freedoms. We'll graduate to certain freedoms later in life. But by then, the program has run its course enough to have us, to have us acting like little robots, too, <laughs> for, for lack of a better phrase. Um, of course, we do have our own um, actual intelligence, and, and some of us seem uh, a lot artificial um, due to how we, we act and how we, how we do things. But how do we get to the place 
of letting go of these things that have been hammered into us to replicate a good life. How can someone who is not us really tell us what a good life is or looks like um, from an unbiased standpoint? Right. Um, to quote J. Cole, he did say, love yours. So that's, yeah. that's something I kind of try to live by, low-key. Mm. That's what's up. That's, that's a good... Um, I think that's a good good, good place to begin. Um, I think a lot of people don't love themselves, don't love their life, don't love the direction they're going in. Um, hell, uh, jumping from school to school and, and from um, job place to job place, um, I was like, dude, what is it that I want to do? What, what, where am I going? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, there was such a lack of direction, lack of energy towards things because I felt like I had to do things a particular way in a particular manner to get to a particular place. Um, and it was my dad and my pops, uh, who I loved uh, so much. Um, we had a heart to heart one day and he was like, yo, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, you know, I got to do that. He's like, no, nah. you say a lot of stuff about what you got to do and what your, your mm-hmm. responsibilities are. What do you are. truly want? What do you want to do and do it? Go for it. It's your life. You got to get out there and do what you want to do and make sure it's what you want to do. And the only way you can do that is by going and doing it. And I'm like, hey, man, you're right. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not my face. Right? No, I'm just right. uh, <laughs> Let's hear a little shit. No. You too close. You too close. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, big Just shit. Start choking the fuck out. <laughs> big shit. <laughs> Because <laughs> I spit my fire. Right. All right, um, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic TV. Right. Also, a guru was asked on uh, on TV, um, how can I incorporate the being part into the doing? Um, the person continues saying that you know we decompress and we detach from social media and TV and all these distractions and spend time in meditation or journaling or whatever it is we do to allow to allow ourselves time to ourselves, um, time to get back to us and that really personal intimate time in trying to be. And then when that five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, two hours or whatever is finished, we are right back into the matrix, right back into our phone, right back into doing the routine how do we continue the being part into the doing? And his answer was interesting. Um, he replied, why? Why does it have to be a thing that oscillates back and forth? Why do you have to choose one or the other? Why are you trying to be? Are you existing right now? You're not trying to exist. You already are. Oh. And I thought that was so profound and so simple um, that in all our trying, we're always trying to be, trying to do this, trying to do that. Um, It's funny because a lot of people on (laughs) the show kept referring to Yoda, you know, do or do not, there is no try. Um, And I find that in in most religions and most teachings, at least we kind of talked about before, um, in most sessions regarding things about attachment and outcomes and vices and all those different things, the single thing um, that continues to run is don't be so focused, don't be so obsessed, don't be so engaged, um, which is interesting coming from a religious 
uh, perspective because usually that's something that you kind of give your all to, you know what I mean? Um, but the thing about that is we have to really differentiate the routine from the connection, the religion from the relationship, um, because it should be the relationship that you're striving for. Um, and that is more than simply attaching ourselves to an outcome. Um, <clears throat> as the people, as I said before, seem to always be fairly addictive in nature, and we foster those additions. Um, we are, we're fed by the big machine, big pharma, big business, all these organizations, the propaganda, and I say that in a mean, uh, in a meaning to perpetuate a specific agenda on how we should think, behave, eat, sleep, heal, feel, everything else. And we become strung out, extra stressed, depressed, worn out, all unhealthy. How do we let go of attachment to these things? How do we live free of outcomes when everything seems to have an outcome? And the answer I kind of fell into involves with not necessarily being concerned with the outcome due to the fact that we approach things from a self-healing goal, um, which I feel is like a little different from being selfish, but sometimes I believe you have to be selfish in order to be healthy. Agreed. You got to be able to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think okay. I think that's I think being selfish is the key, the first step to being healthy because you can't take care of anybody else if you can't take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like you can't. There's no way I'm going to be a viable candidate to lead or do anything for anybody else if I'm mentally distressed or physically distressed. So yeah, like the Mike Posner song, you can't be rescued by a sinking ship. Exactly. Like a full circle. Exactly. Mm, mm, mm. Right. I do want to say too, for what you were talking about before, um, <laughs> it'll kind of remind me of this mindfulness and definition, yeah, yeah. or one of the main definitions is uh, paying attention to the present moment, and that's kind of like what meditation is. You're just being in the moment, and mm-hmm. um, but there's even different kinds of meditation, like walking meditation, and you can even there's other meditated teachers that say like you can do driving meditations obviously not kind of like where you're thinking about something you know right but there's (laughs) it's about paying attention to the moment what you're doing so if you're staying mindful the whole time you're like it's like you know i can do dishes while being mindful at the same time or like it's like if we're if we're not paying attention like yeah i can go in bedroom flip the light on grab a shirt but i'm not being mindful about it now if i walk and still pay attention to my footsteps and look at you know there's a difference Yeah. yeah It's funny because that's a, um, one of the concepts that also um, kept coming up when, whenever you talk about being present in the moment. Mindfulness um, is its own movement um, that people um, um, engage in. And you know, it, does, it does include the, the meditation. Um, there's also journaling. Um, there's also the silent fast that um, a lot of people get into where they um, totally detach from, from everything as far as like um, the phone, um, no listening to music, um, no journaling, um, even meditation is kind of um, dialed down, um, and they don't speak, they just work inside themselves. Um, it was very interesting, um, I, was, I was looking this up, because um, I, you know, I kept seeing the mindfulness part, and 
we always say, you know, you should be mindful of this, you should be mindful of that. But actually looking at the movement of being uh, of mindfulness um, was interesting in how some people um, engage it. And, and I, uh, it's, it's funny that you brought it up. <laughs> but um, like I said, it's, it's, it's all connected. Um, even um, I think we were talking about the last time regarding the pickup artists artistry and um, how they still promote the being present and being uh, being mindful, which is funny. And they also promote some meditative practice, which is which is always interesting to me um, because <laughs> the goal um, usually with pickup is to pick up the girl, um, but a lot of these pickup artists their goal is to be a complete person within themselves and they use that complete self to bring their full self to whatever they're, they're, they're engaged in. And that includes talking to women or um, talking to men because there are female um, pickup artists um, and even um, homosexuals um, who are engaging the pickup artistry mantra of being in the moment, being mindful and being present um, to whatever it is you're doing. Um, there's a couple frames that um, I wanted to, to talk about just a little bit um, regarding this, this topic um, in that they use it to, um, I guess, to, to promote success uh, <clears throat> in their endeavor. And one of them is the thought that this is just practice. And the other one is pushing the need to qualify or prove uh, oneself onto the person that they're talking to and not generating it themselves. So the mind frame of the just practice thing is that um, I don't expect anything to happen. I'm just content with being here in the moment, um, existing, having fun, um, just being myself to experience this moment till its fullest um, and that nothing else really matters. So I don't have to take it so serious that I'm locked up in this focus of, I need to get her number or I need to give her my number or this, these other things. <clears throat> so they just can enjoy the moment. Um, the same concept also works with the pushing the need to qualify or prove themselves as far as the act of doing so onto the person they're with so that they don't feel they need to um, boast or push themselves up above people. Instead, they can just be themselves and be calm in themselves and have that calming state to where people are actually just drawn to you because you seem so different from the energy that's surrounding you. Because usually they do these things in like bars and clubs where the energy is so, we got to do this, we got to do this, and this, and you see somebody who's just calm and just enjoying themselves in the moment it really is jarring to the atmosphere because it's like, yo, either you don't belong here or you're so comfortable here that everyone else just seems so fake. Mm. Damn. <clears throat> yeah, I used to study this stuff a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing I want to talk about um, as far as this goes um, as far as discovering about um, attachments to outcomes is the concept where we attach our feelings or mental state or self-worth 
to achieving certain outcomes. Uh, we believe if we get this certain job, <coughs> excuse me, or um, <clears throat> we, if we make a certain amount of money or if we amass a certain amount of things or if we get that one special person we want, um, if we get that or give that ring, et cetera, only then will we be happy finally or our happiness will finally be complete and we'll live happily ever after. Um, I think this is a problem with many relationships today, uh, especially if you look across social media, is that the thought that once we get together or we have kids or we get married, everything will be okay or work itself out somehow. Then we get in these situations, we get the job we want, but it's making us miserable and literally hate life. We get all the money we wanted and we feel lonely because of how we treat others or that they treat us, or we get paranoid that everyone is out to get our money, or we feel we have to continue um, amassing this amount or maintaining this amount, or we will be miserable or go back or go backwards. And we can't even see that we're currently miserable or we get all these material things that we want and we find ourselves still feeling empty. Uh, we get the person that we want, but we aren't whole ourselves. So we can't bring anything to the table. We don't love ourselves enough. Or we can't understand why these relationships continue to fall apart or we're focused on past relationships and trying to not have the same thing happen so much that we make it happen. Or we're too focused on the future to actually be in the relationship and develop a true rapport and connection with our partners. Attachment. The key thing that I'm getting away from this is we got to not focus so hard on the past and not focus so hard on the future. Plan for the future, appreciate the past, but let's live in our present time. Accept yeah. where mm -hmm. we are and make moves how we can make moves, but let's appreciate where we are because we could be in worse positions. Everybody can be in worse positions than where they are right now. Right. But yeah, right. it's just appreciating the present and continuing to move forward. Right, right. One of the things that, because um, Cody brought this up, um, one of the, the, the tenets that I've, I've heard um, as far as mindfulness goes is that um, looking at the present moment as if this could potentially be the best moment or this is the best moment um, right now. Uh, instead of being like, oh man, you know, back when I was younger, that was the this, 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 not, or um, striving for what we think will be our best moment in the future. Um, realizing that, yo, my life is pretty dope right now. I mean, I have everything that I want or um, everything that I, 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 I'm, I'm working towards right now, but the fact that I'm working towards it, I think it's that, that's super dope. Um, the fact that I have everything I need and I'm not wanting any or, or lacking for anything, that's pretty dope. The fact that I have people around me who are just as dope because um, they recognize that I'm a dope person and I recognize that I'm a dope person without being arrogant about it um, and realizing that I'm connected to so many people who love and care, care about me. Um, <clears throat> I think that's something that we don't genuinely take into account all the time. And it's something that you probably can't focus on all the time because you probably wouldn't get anything else done. But there are moments where when we fall into those, those times of, man, I wish, or man, I need to, that we look at, right now, I am. 
You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, there's a difference in the in like it, it's a like a separation of realizing what you can't control really. Mm-hmm. Like do you can you control this? And most of the time it's no. The only thing you can really control is yourself. Everything else mm-hmm. is a wish. And and it even relates like with the um being in the present thing. Um like uh for example yesterday I was bothered by something because uh Siri didn't communicate like I wanted her to. Like she didn't it was lack of communication. Mm-hmm. But I I'm like I know that when because she was still sleeping and I was awake and working already. But I'm like when she wakes up we're gonna talk about it. It'll be fine. But I, why am I letting this fester? Because she's still asleep and we're still not talking about it. So I'm like I'm I'm a I was talking to myself like I'm upset because she didn't talk to me. But that was in the past. She didn't talk to me then. Right now, she is sleeping. So I, I'm, right now, I can't be upset at her. I, I'm holding on to anger from the past. So I was about being mindful. Of just like let it go right now. Like it'll be guys to talk about. It will be fine. And you know that. But right now, she's not doing anything wrong. Right. So, I want to leave kind of kind of said I want to leave y'all with this. Um, I'm kind of debating on whether or not to go really deep into the addictive quality of attachment and some concepts regarding letting go and, and some controversial advice. So we'll we'll see what happens next week. But the main thing I wanted to kind of uh, to promote is that um, it is okay to look at the past. Um, Look through it through glass. Just see where it was. See what it what it did. Um, it's okay to uh, aim for the future, um, but especially during this current time that we're in, I think it is most beneficial to try and stay present, to be in the present, to recognize those things that we currently have and we currently um, possess, um, that we currently are engaged in and realizing that one, I think we're fortunate because there are people who don't have the same options and opportunities um, that we do have. And two, that we're pretty dope people. Um, We all struggle with something. We all have concepts that are hard for us to grasp. We all have things that we're, we're dealing with and that, as I've said before, life is a multiplayer, single-player game to where um, there are times where we need to go the mission alone, but there are also times where we should share that mission with others. I feel it. I feel it. Focus on the campaign mode, not too much on the side missions. I feel well, you know, it. <laughs> try not to be so versus. And, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, T.S., what you got, man? So... Uh, fucked up story of the week is kind of a fun fact at the same time. Did you guys know that you can do face plant or face transplants? Like I the mean, whole face, I not mean, just a portion <laughs> or a, a skin graft or anything, but the whole face. Well, based can on be transplanted, based, based on the movie Face Off, Told I ya. already has assumed. <laughs> That that was a thing. I didn't think we were doing it on the regular. Well, that movie was ahead of its time, kind of. You know, right? Exactly. Exactly. A head and a face of its time. Ah! <laughs> What's up? Hey, that's all right. <laughs> Retina scan. I see what you did there. <laughs> well, I mean, from the movie, it puts a lotion on his skin. Or oh, okay. Brown movie. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, in the bucket. <laughs> uh, there was a chick um, named Katie, a teenager at the time, whatever, in 2014. Oh, she tried to commit suicide. Um, and reading her story, it sounds like she put a gun to the bottom of her chin and she was trying to shoot upwards because the bullet exited the top of her head, but it missed her brain completely. Yeah. Uh, I've heard another story like that too, that a guy did that. Now he's like, his jaw was all messed up and talking like, you know, I totally got a visual representation of that from the sound. So thank you, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Bazinga. Yeah, so that's basically what happened to her. Um, she nearly died, but the paramedics got to her on time, and they're like, yo, we got a pulse from her. And for some years, she just had a messed up face. And um, and recently, in 2020, I guess, they posted a story about how they were able to restructure her skull and put another person's face on top of her face. So now she has a regular looking face. Nobody would ever be able to tell that she blew her first face off. Regular <laughs> face off. Face. Uh, yeah. Are you ready yeah. to go to the store? Hold on, I'm just putting my face on. <laughs> Which one? The regular one? Or the... <laughs> <laughs> the Halloween joint looking ass. Michael Myers. All right. <laughs> Favorite song is definitely Mask Off. Right. <laughs> well. But, um, yeah, it was it was a successful uh, surgery. She's uh, she's blind. They can't fix that part, I guess. But... So she doesn't know how ugly she is. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, <laughs> she actually she's doesn't like, look bad. She's like surgery, Chinese, uh, and they put a black good. face on her, and her like jawline is like. <laughs> you got to contour your makeup better. <laughs> Dude, wait a minute. I thought you were going to try to describe somebody off of the Goonies, but um, yeah, she she's better than that, for sure. New Photoshop idea. Hey, you guys! <laughs> well. So, yeah, that there's that. Um, so yeah, there's your fucked up story, but also fun facts. You can transplant whole faces. When you're an organ donor, I guess that doesn't mean that you're just going to donate organs. You can donate your whole face. I don't um, know who she got the epidermis face. Epidermis right. organ. I was gonna say, did she get like a, a face from a Grams or like somebody that died in a car accident or some shit that was like her age or like a thirteen year old face on it just stretched out? You know, looking... <laughs> Stretch Armstrong <laughs> on the face. Bro, I have no idea. I tried looking through the strong. Like, where the fuck did they get this face? And they didn't say. So somebody is missing a face. <laughs> That's a closed casket for sure. Dog off top. Literally off top. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> I see there. <laughs> that is episode ninety-two of not politically of not politically correct. It's the homie TS, aka C Nova. You know I got gotcha. you, McCoy. <laughs> off top. Hey, worry, McCoy. Aka Aka Young Flash God, and you know I'm on Twitter, McCoy KPZ. Cody? Hi, I'm Cody. But an now. City requiring everything. Sit a jiggy nigga with the gold links. You can find me wherever you can find me. <laughs> it's ASAP Rocky. And everything. Bye, boy. ASAP Russell. Oh, and that's it? Well, yeah. on that note. <laughs>